Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast. We talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no off-season. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 18th day of May 2018 from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. I'm going to have a little more fun today. It was a I know the last podcast I wrote was kind of serious, but you know what? Sometimes you got to do serious things. And I got a, I got a couple of responses for it. I want to just say, I'm not rooting against the Red Sox. You understand that, right? I'm not sitting here rooting against them. I'm just not going to watch their games or follow them. You know, I looked at the scoreboard. You know, I followed, I followed a couple of games last night, and I saw, oh, the Red Sox did win. I didn't see how they won. Uh, I, when I figured out who owned baseball, I saw that, you know, I looked at the stats and I saw David Price threw a complete game, so he owned baseball. But I'm not investing the day-to-day emotions that you feel for a team while they've got Stephen Wright. It's just that simple. And there's a lot of baseball to follow and a lot of things to get into. Now, it is, we're about a week away from Memorial Day. Memorial Day is... Uh, not this weekend, but the weekend after it. That Monday is Memorial Day. And that's when I do my first check-in. That's more or less the one-third mark of the season. And I have talked about this on the podcast, that I, psychologically, I break the season into three parts. Beginning of the season through Memorial Day is the first third. That's when you're kind of just getting into the season and figuring out, is are we in it? Are we out of it? Is this going to be... What should we do? The critical part is the middle part. When you sort of see, all right, are we a contender? Should we build and try to improve our team? Are we falling out of first place? Should we consider trading players away? And as I said before, the most interesting teams in that middle part are the teams that were expected to contend and aren't. And you got to wonder, what should they do? Should they trade the way players? What should they do? And the teams that weren't expecting to contend and are. Is it an aberration or should they go for it? One of the reasons why I say Memorial Day is, you know, you take a look at some of the teams right now, especially in the National League. There are three teams that are playing above 600 ball as I'm making this recording. And they are the Atlanta Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know... Kind of like how we all felt those would be the best teams in the National League, right? I think I went out and said that the Phillies were going to stink this year. I thought the Braves were an outside chance at a wildcard team, and everybody, including the Pirates, thought that this was a lost year. They traded away Garrett Cole. They traded away Andrew McCutcheon. They, were, you know, they said, oh, look, it's time to rebuild. Now, in the next eight or nine days before the Memorial Day, any one of those teams could go on a seven or eight game losing streak. Because right now they're all about 10 games above, nine or 10 games above 500. And if they went on a massive losing streak, and teams can go on massive losing streaks, especially teams that are playing above their heads, sometimes. You know, it's like a market correction for some of these teams. So if we get to Memorial Day and one of these teams are, you know, they went from being 10 games above 500 to 
being hovering around 500 right now, do you know what? Then you start thinking, yeah, maybe we're not contending. Maybe we just had a you know nice burst at the beginning of the year. Conversely, a team like the Dodgers, who went on a horrific streak against the Reds and the Marlins, two of the worst teams in baseball, and they and the out of what was it, the seven games that the Dodgers played against those two teams, they managed to squeak out one win against Miami. But they got back Justin Turner. Yasuo Puig is starting to hit again. If all of a sudden, and you're also seeing that the Diamondbacks, who began the season looking like world beaters, are they've lost seven of their last ten. They've lost A.J. Pollock. They're not getting the hitting they're expecting to get out of Paul Goldschmidt. The idea of the Dodgers, who got off to as bad a start as you possibly can, especially for a defending pennant winner, if they go on a wild winning streak and cut the deficit from eight games to about four or five, yeah, yeah, all this is possible. There is, there is a method to the Sully Baseball madness of breaking it into thirds. Now, an interesting team, and I think the team that I'm finding to be the single most fascinating team, having the most fascinating start of the season, remains the Pirates. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, I know, that the Pirates have always had a special place in my heart. They were the first team I ever saw win the World Series in 1979. They haven't been in the World Series since. And some of my all-time favorite teams have been Pirate teams. When we had Andy Van Slyke on as a guest, I told him, I said, you would have thought if you watched me watch those early 90s Pirates teams, you would have assumed I grew up in Pittsburgh. I loved those Pirates teams. The, the Barry Bonds, the Benias, the Van Slyke, Trebek, Jose Lind, uh, Mike Lavalier, that whole squad, I loved that team. And it broke my heart that they couldn't get into the World Series. And this recent run that they had in Pittsburgh, the Andrew McCutcheon teams, where they got to within one swing of making it to the league championship series in 2013, and then had, I mean, the team that, I mean, two teams that went to the wild card game, the 2014 Pirates were better than the 2014 Giants, but they faced Madison Bumgarner. And the 2015 Pirates, I would argue, was the best team in baseball by the end of the year, but they had to face Jake Arrieta in the wild card game, and boom, the the Cubs win the one game playoff. I am I absolutely would hundred percent believe that if the Pirates won the wild card game in 2015, they would have gone on to the World Series. I think they would have beaten St. Louis. They would have beaten either the Mets or Los Angeles. Now, whether or not they would have beaten Kansas City, who knows? But that was a wonderful team in 2015. And they just got picked the wrong year, to, once again, to be a wildcard team. So I've, I've always rooted for the Pirates. Always. And this was a year, as I said earlier, they threw in the towel. They said, look it. And you, know, you have to make decisions like this. Sometimes you got to say, look it, we have two commodities. Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon. Both of them were key members of those teams that went to the playoffs, but they're not going to win because 
The Cubs are better than them. The Brewers are better than them. Uh, uh, St. Louis is probably better than them, especially after they made some deals. The Nats are better than them. The Dodgers are better than them. You start looking at the Diamondbacks are better than them. Chances are Atlanta was going to be better. You kind of do the math. So we're not going to win it this year. So why don't we, instead of being stubborn, we get pieces back for it. And so psychologically you say, eh, we're not going to do it. It's not our year. Not our year. In this topsy-turvy baseball season where the American League became the National League and the National League became the American League, as in the last few years it's been an absolute free-for-all in the American League, while the National League has been top-heavy with predictable division winners, now it's the American League which is all but set for the postseason, and no one knows what the hell is going on in the National League. You know, the, the, the Washington Nationals were expected to run away with this division. They're in third place, only two games back, and let's be frank for a second, I, no part of me believes that the Nats are not going to win their division. I believe Atlanta and Philadelphia may still contend, but when you look at the Central, the way it's all bunched together right now, and the Cubs, while a good team, are not the team they were a couple of years ago. They don't have the pitching strength they had a couple of years ago. And basically swapping Arietta for Darvish has been a disaster. And the Pirates are there. Again, it's, this is, I'm not ready to declare them a contender or whatnot. But they're fascinating. And they're doing something today that when I saw what they were doing, I thought to myself, ah, there you go. That's something that makes sense. And it has to do with Austin Meadows. Do you know who Austin Meadows is? Austin Meadows is one of the top prospects that the Pirates have in their system. Now, Starling Marte, who is uh, a holdover from the team that won the uh, made it to the postseason those three years. And the Pirates didn't do a complete break everything off, sell everything off, but pre- they did pretty close. So they still have Gregory Polanco. They still have Starling Marte. Well, Marte, who is off to a very good start, you know, he has a, he has a high batting average. He's got a very good slugging percentage. His OPS is a solid 869. You know, he hasn't had the home run power, but he still has speed. He still has extra base power. But he's going on the disabled list. And in comes, uh, I, almost call him, I almost call him Aston Martin. In comes Mr. Austin Meadows, who for the last three or four years has been a top 50 prospect on Baseball America. In 2017, he was a top 10 prospect. Now, going into last year, he, he had a spectacular 2016 playing in AAA double A and a little bit in single A. Last year, he was, he only played 81 games, um, fought through some injuries. This year, he's off to a solid start. You know, he doesn't quite have the power, he's not putting up quite the power numbers that they were hoping for, but he's a good, solid hitter. And he's young, he's 23 years old, he's one of the team's top prospects, left-handed hitting center fielder that they're going to plop right into the team. Now, let me tell you, that move, plus the move of trading for Corey Dickerson. 
Remember Corey Dickerson? Corey Dickerson was an all-star with the Tampa Bay Rays last year. Had a nice season. Nice season. 27 home runs, a uh, decent OPS, and he's, hit, he's been a 20 home run hitter each of the last few years. And was basically part of a numbers crunch in Tampa Bay where they designated him for assignment. And the Pirates said, Christ, we'll take him. Sorry, Ray. And lo and behold, he has been terrific. He's got the high average. He's got the high OPS. He's has some decent power. And he's fit right in with this Pirate team. You could argue that Corey Dickerson has been more productive than Andrew McCutcheon. And it's the sort of thing that you look at and you go, when you have to replace a star player, don't think of it as replacing what Andrew McCutcheon meant to the Pirates. What Andrew McCutcheon meant to the Pirates was he was a star, he was an MVP, and he wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. And the Pirates finally made it back to the postseason after two decades of you know, losing season after losing season in Pittsburgh. And McCutcheon was the face after he played for the Pirates for nine years. Put up great, great numbers. But the last two or three years, or the, really the last two years, the numbers were not so great. And so you don't think of it as you're replacing what he meant you have to replace his actual production. Corey Dickerson's younger. Corey Dickerson is right now putting up better numbers than Andrew McCutcheon. If you're just being blunt about production and not about emotion, then the Pirates improved themselves by picking up someone who the, the Rays inexplicably DFA'd And now they're going to bring up Austin Meadows. Now, one of the reasons why I like this, and I like the fact that they have Colin Moran on the team, who they acquired in the Garrett Cole trade, is they're playing kids. There are some, to be fair, there are some stable veterans on the team. Marte was one of them. Although Marte is the same age as Dickerson. Gregory Polanco is a veteran, but he's only 26. You still have David Freeze on the team, Mr. World Series winner from a few years ago. They still have Francisco Cervelli on the team, who was uh, part of the Yankees World Series run in 2009. But they are playing their kids, is what they're doing. Already playing Moran, bringing in Austin Meadows. And when you are a team that is playing a little bit psychologically with house money, that is incredibly smart. I'm going to make a a little weird analogy here, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of what's happening with the Boston Celtics in the postseason right now. That, you know, they lost two key players, especially Kyrie Irving, and they're playing a lot of kids and playing a lot of young players who they're throwing into the fire. And if they happen to go to the finals, great. And if not, they have something to build upon. You suddenly are looking at a pirate team that if Austin Meadows is only 20, what, 23 years old, left-handed power hitter with, with 
you know, with some decent speed. And if you look up and they say, hey, they've got Josh Bell at first. They've got Adam Frazier at second. They got Colin Moran at third. They got Dickerson. Marte is, is injured. Uh, Polanco. They've got Meadows. They've got a bunch of young kids on this squad. And they're starting the Trevor Williamses, who's having a nice start. And he's only 26 years old. Chad Cole, who's been very good. Yeah, he's had a couple of rough starts, but he's been, he's been solid. Uh, uh, and they've had a bunch of young pitchers on the team. You know, Nick Kingham has looked pretty good from time to time. They've got some good relievers on the squad. And even if this is not a team that's ready to contend now, even if we get to, you know, the, the middle of the season, they, they have a losing streak, they fall back into the middle. The Cubs go, the Cubs make a big trade, like for Manny Machado or someone like that. A lot of positivity can come up with the Pirates if they start playing their kids. And I'm looking up and down their, you know, like the, their best prospects, you know, and he's like, hey, what about, you know, Kevin Newman? He's, he's doing well in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, what about, uh, what, what pitchers can they look up? I mean, you, you, you have, you know, their top prospects, like, you know, Mitch Keller, is he, is he ready? You know, what if he gets some innings? What if he gets going here? You know, what about Cole Tucker? How's Cole Tucker doing? I, I couldn't tell you anything about Cole Tucker. The fact that he's in, you know, on all these lists for, for top prospects and this, that, and the other thing. And maybe that's the route for a team like this. Now, if they can be, a, you know, like what happened with Oakland in 2012, where they played a crap load of kids, including friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle, that all of a sudden they had a team that played together, and was like, hey, wait a minute, we're, we have a little bit of postseason experience now. Or we have experience of playing together in some big games. And I also wonder if you take a look at like some of the, if you look around like some you know, players who are potential free agents, and you see, you know, it, will a Jay Happ be available? Will a Derek Holland be available? You know, you, you, you're sort of, you look around and you say, you know, what players, you know, would, would a James Shields, who has been awful for the White Sox, but has a buyout, and you're asking, well, what, you know, not asking you to be a Cy Young contender, what if you just give us three or four decent months and see how it goes? You know, like what players do you think could use that change of scenery? especially in a short period of time. It's interesting. McCutcheon's gone, and, and he got a wonderful response from Pirate fans when he came back as a member of the San Francisco Giants. I was very happy to see that. I'm very happy to see he wasn't booed or anything like that. That they, they appreciated him. But the Pirates made the cold-hearted decision that he's not the superstar anymore. And let's get something for him while we can. And the team has improved. And is probably, right now, they look like a better team than San Francisco. Garrett Cole has fit in with the Houston Astros and he fits like a glove and is probably going to participate in the postseason. So, you know, you know, kudos for him. But it's funny when you think about players who the fan bases have a strong emotional attachment to. And that could override thoughts and feelings about 
whether or not they're valuable. I mean, go back to 2013. Just go back to 2013. Rewind that. I'll be Superman. I'll spin the world back. Like, like Superman did. And going back in time. Let's go back to like 2013. And I would say, hey, giant fans. Tim Lincecum will just go. He just will not be signed. He'll bomb with the Angels one year and take a year off and try to become a reliever with the Rangers in like five years. That's where he'll be. Hey, Met fans. Matt Harvey in five years will basically be DFA'd and dumped off to Cincinnati unceremoniously. And Met fans will have a sigh of relief that he's gone. Hey, Pirate fans, Andrew McCutcheon will be dealt to San Francisco and your team will get better. You know, we, we assign this emotion to players and we think of what you're losing. You start to think about the intangibles. Matt Harvey was supposed to be the new toast of New York. Tim Lincecum was becoming the biggest sports star in San Francisco since Joe Montana. And Andrew McCutcheon was going to have his name on the wall alongside Stargell and Honus Wagner and Paul Wehner and Roberto Clemente. Instead, he became dumped off in a salary dump that looked like they did it at just the right time. Matt Harvey, since he asked to be, <laughs> he asked to be brought into game, the ninth inning of Game 5 of the World Series, and from that moment on, it's been nothing short of a disaster. And Tim Lincecum, when we look back, it was a, you know, a great falling star of a career. It was about three or four great years, and that's it. And all of them will get standing O's and everything like that forever, but it doesn't matter. Learn from the cold-heartedness of franchises like the Red Sox and... The Cardinals, who don't, get emo- don't make emotional decisions and just improve the team. I'm still not ready to declare the Pirates for real yet. But I do think that when teams are thinking about dumping some players who are going to be potential free agents, and those players who are going to be potential free agents should be begging their team to dump them because no one wants to have a draft pick as, you know, assigned to them. So it makes sense for teams to try to get even a marginal minor leaguer back for anyone who's about to walk via free agency. If there's anyone that you, the Pirates could get to fill in, I brought in James Shields' name, just anyone who could potentially turn things around. That's the sort of thing in that middle part of the season that you got to look for. I like this Pirates team. I like a lot of Pirate teams. But I like this one because it's surprising me. I really, uh, Andrew McCutcheon is a player who is impossible, it's impossible not to root for him. He's just a good, solid, he's, I, I've never met the man, he seems like a solid man. He's easy to root for, he's got that intensity that you want to have and, and a sense of uh, appreciation of the game and of the fans. And you know, I hope he has a great year in San Francisco because the Giants are my second favorite team. But this Pirate team is going to be very interesting to watch, especially over the next couple of weeks, because we're going to see, all right, are they for real or are they not? Is this a real team? 
And part of the decision to basically say, hey, if they are, what if we just bring everyone up? What would happen if we say, hey, our top prospects, all of our best young players, let's bring them up and give them a shot and build this team up. If this is going to be one of those bananas years where an unexpected team wins the pennant, like they did when the Colorado Rockies won the 2007 pennant, then teams like the Rockies should take, uh, teams like the Pirates and the Rockies for that matter, but I'm not talking about them today, should take a good long look and say, what can we do to just improve a little here and a little there? A tiny improvement on this spot, uh, putting a major leaguer there to get a second shot over here, may be the difference between one win or not. If, those team, if that 2015 team had added three additional wins to their total, they would have won the division instead of the wild card, and they probably would have been celebrating a World Series in Pittsburgh. The Pirates have one of the longest pennant droughts in baseball. They haven't won the pennant since that World Series I watched in 1979 in Peggy Bianchi's house. May you rest in peace, and you know I love you. Pirates, don't go crazy yet. I'm not declaring you a contender yet, but you're one of the most interesting teams in baseball. I'm already calculating their magic number. It's already in the, in the 110s to when they've never won the NL Central. Take a look at your prospects and take a look at the team as a whole. This could be a stunner. Or it could be nothing. But I do know that this was a podcast. So, hey, Mr. Austin Meadows. It is Austin Meadows, right? Yeah. Mr. Austin Meadows, good luck. No one's asking you to replace Andrew McCutcheon or even Starlin Marte. We're just asking you to be a decent major leaguer. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You can be old school, send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Looking at the Pirates and seeing if there are sensible ways for them to turn this into a contending year. This has been the Sully Baseball Podcast for the 18th day of May. 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.